Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. It's Straight Outta Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this episode, Leeds look ahead as the fight back starts here. We'll preview the Conti Cup final, bring you some fab news and do a quiz. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Outta Cobham. Here we are then, gang. We're all psyched up for a big weekend in the world of Chelsea Football Club. Here to preview it alongside me, Matt Davis-Adams, are the Athletics Chelsea experts, Simon Johnson. Right, I'm going to quote a song from 1988, I think it was. The Only Ways Up okay. by Yaz. I was sort of expecting things can only get better, but that's a bit later. <laughs> no, no, D-Ream, that was too cheesy. Yeah. I'm going for a slightly milder cheese. All right, fine. A, a cheddar, perhaps, um, but not an extra mature one. Certainly not extra mature is Jesse Parker Humphreys. That's a sort of weird segue into you being a bit younger than us, Jesse. I was on the spur of the moment. So Yeah, or, or less smelly. I... Okay, well. <laughs> Oi, my reputation precedes me. Uh, we've got loads to talk about today. We've got the Conti Cup final. Uh, we've got the fan advisory board. We've got loads of other stuff, but we're going to start with the big one, Chelsea versus Leeds United. So for the 50th consecutive episode, I'd like to introduce this week's preview with Chelsea have a must-win game this weekend. Uh, But come on, lads, it's Leeds. You need to pull your fingers out for this one. Uh, That's my analysis. Let's hear if Simon and Jesse can match that kind of searing insight. Actually, Jesse, I want to come to you first because I remember we spoke about this fixture last season and Simon explained why it's such a kind of big rivalry between these two clubs. But for supporters of your generation, is that the case? Are you like aware of it historically? Does it mean much to you or is it just a game that Chelsea need to win because they haven't won one in ages? Yeah, I think it is something that, that means a lot, even though obviously kind of the history of the rivalry is from quite a long way before my time. I think, you know, it's something that when Leeds weren't in the, the Premier League isn't something that I feel like I thought about, perhaps in a way that, that older fans might. But I think... Now they're back and it feels like, I feel like the energy and the rivalry within those fixtures has like continued with Leeds being back in the Premier League. And I feel like that's kind of, you know, allowed it to to carry on meaning so much. And like, I've not done a, a Leeds away day, but I know people who have and it's, that sounds like they're quite uh, intense. So, I mean, I think it's safe to say that, that lots of the atmosphere is still there. Yeah, certainly will be on Saturday based on the noise that the uh, Leeds fans who were at Fulham the other night in the FA Cup were making. Uh, now, today, which is Thursday for us, a piece has gone up on The Athletic by our friend Liam Toomey, a really good piece uh, advising Graham Potter how to be a Chelsea manager and how to conduct one's self. What's the latest re-Potter, Simon? He said ahead of this, hopefully we can get a nice game and three points because that's really important for us at this stage, um, which is kind of typical understatement from from Graham I think but but as far as we know he's in charge for this one and for Dortmund on Tuesday yes um I mean it's getting to that stage now where and and as I said in the piece early in the week it's almost pointless 
it's almost point well pointless kind of appropriate <laughs> phrase for Chelsea um, to replace him this season because unless you genuinely fear they're going to get relegated and come next Tuesday night Chelsea might be out of everything and what difference is a new man going to make that you're you'll be shopping in a smaller pool of of, of managers. Plus, he'll be faced with the same problems in terms of a ridiculously bloated squad with with sort of very little to play for. Again, I sort of don't know whether you're going to reference the other piece I wrote this week about qualifying for Europe. I mean, that even even the Conference League is looking a stretch now with the with Liverpool winning and, and Fulham got a good gap in Newcastle. Um, and the top four is obviously a, a no-go. Unless they win the Champions League, of course, you know, has been done, has been known. But in terms of Potter's future, yes, he's staying, but you are starting to hear a few more different noises that, that of level of concern that the categorical backing that has been there for sort of so long is, let's just say it's diluting a little bit because, and I think rightly so, because the, as Graham Potter himself said, there's only so long this can go on for. Even he's aware of that. I mean, two wins out of 15 is embarrassing. You know, it, the, the fact that he's just doesn't seem to be able to get a response from his players. I mean, I, I just think Sunday, and, and this is why this Saturday is massive as well. I just think Sunday was such a worrying sign that having had a full week to prepare for Spurs, meetings with players... And that is the response you get from them. A really timid, I know you've already discussed Tottenham on Monday, but but a really kind of, for a big derby, one of Chelsea's biggest games of the season. And that's the response you get from the players. It, it There's a lot of red flags when that happens. Hopefully, he's had another full week this week to prepare for a similarly big rivalry game that we, we do see a response, a much better response. Because I do fear that say if Leeds go ahead, that the atmosphere, let alone win for goodness sake, the, the atmosphere is going to be brutal because you do understandably sense that fans are just having enough with what they're seeing. That's going to be really key, isn't it, Jesse? Just just looking at the upcoming fixtures, you've got, what, five of the next six are at Stamford Bridge. So supporters might may well play a, a defining role in, in Potter's future. Yeah, um, it's... An interesting one, really, right, in terms of how much supporters can maybe G up the team, but also, you know, the feeling of going into an atmosphere that might already feel quite negative, what impact that will will have on the players. And I think especially when you look at kind of this weird mix of players that are in the squad right now where, look, I know there weren't as many kind of January signings in the the team against Spurs, just Enzo and Xavi-Lex, right? But... You've got this mixture of of players who've been at the club for a longer time, and you know academy players who who have really strong relationships with the fans. Although you know equally, you look at players like Mount, and that's always like a strange one. Although the kind of internet versus Stamford Bridge fans, I think, are a bit bit different on that one. Um, Wouldn't that be a great match, Jesse? No. <laughs> I would watch that. Should we play that on Saturday instead? Internet fans versus Stamford Bridge fans. Alternative match: internet <laughs> versus Chelsea match going fans. And that would be over a number of issues. You could have <laughs> Jorginho in there, Kovacic, <laughs> Sarri. Yeah, get Sarri in there, yeah. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> no, but then also you've got, you know, 
players who have come in and who are new and have come into like a pretty miserable atmosphere and you're like, well, what does playing for Chelsea mean to them? And I think that's kind of the thing that the piece that maybe feels that's missing with with everything. You know, it'll be interesting as well, I guess, if we see, you know, Reese James potentially wearing the armband with Thiago Silva out. Um, yeah, I feel like it's going to be a really interesting mixture of, of different trends that we've kind of seen at the club in the games that are coming up. Yeah, that is uh, an interesting selection one. So so no Thiago Silva, Simon, knee ligament damage. You don't know how long he's going to be out for. Are we going to see Mason Mount, Benoit Badiashil, maybe Aubameyang and Madueke in this game? Because none of them are going to be available against Dortmund. Or, or are you playing this game with Dortmund in mind and, and going as close to that team as possible? That's a very good question. I mean, it's to be honest, who knows? <laughs> I, I, does Graham Potter know? You know, we don't know what team he's going to pick anymore. Um, what we do know, surely there's going to be changes. About five or six, I'd guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's, just, that's the sort of the average. It would make sense, I think, um, to play some of the, the players that aren't uh, going to be available for Tuesday. I'd like to see, and, and this this will get the internet brigade, the uh, Twitter brigade going. I, I would like to see Mason Mount in the team. Not because of form, obviously, because he's having a, a tough time, as as we've discussed on the show, but because he gets this game. He he understands what it means. I, I feel like Sunday, again, going back to Spurs, a lot of those players, they don't know what the Chelsea-Tottenham rivalry is. And that's part of the problem. Um, Mason Mount will know Chelsea leads, not just because of the Chelsea leads thing, but obviously... He experienced a taste of it when on loan at Derby as well. They had quite a bit of needle. So I'd like to see, see him. Aubameyang, I mean, I, I think it's very unlikely. I mean, if you only bring him on for eight minutes or whatever, when it's too little too late, then I'd find it very hard to believe he'll start the game. But um, Madweki, what, what, what has he suddenly done wrong to be up to? It just feels a bit, as you suspected for quite a while, Graham Potter doesn't know what his best team is. What about formation, Jesse? We, we spoke on Monday about maybe switching to a back three to get more out of James and Chilwell. Would that be something you'd be looking at here? Yeah, I think the lack of kind of attacking production from James in particular is, I feel like, one of the, the key concerns, really, that I feel like I have with, with Potter. You know, James is a player who I feel like has historically kind of been pretty irrepressible in his ability to to have an impact on the game both going forward and defensively and it feels like right now that's not there at all I, I don't know if that's a back four versus back three thing to be honest because I feel like regardless okay maybe not against Spurs but you know the the level of opposition you should still be able to expect your right back to get forward a lot more and whether that's because he's not being asked to or he doesn't know what he's meant to be doing I don't know I mean Without Thiago Silva, switching to a back three feels quite risky, I think, to, to play what Badia Shiel, Koulibaly and Wes Fofana, potentially. I mean, it wouldn't be a back three that would fill me with confidence, I've got to be honest. I feel like what I've don't I know I've said this before, but like what I feel like I want from Potter is kind of for something to stick. And and obviously he's been kind of persevering with the four two three one, but then shifting all the personnel around as part of that. I think if you then switch to a back three, it, it just feels like it goes more and more into like a, a, I've got no idea what I'm doing. 
I feel now it's very appropriate that I start talking. Um, <laughs> what well, I don't know this for for a fact, but I do wonder how much Rhys James is is just worried about his knee, and and just that's on his mind. Of course, he's, he's injured it on a couple of occasions this season. I reported that if he injures it again, he will have to have surgery. It just feels like we're not seeing Rhys James. You know, he's he's not playing badly, but he's not he's not at the levels that that we've been lucky enough to to, to come to expect. That sort of powerful marauding player that that bullies opponents. So is there an argument in that case then to say if Chelsea lose to Dortmund, you might as well just let him have the surgery because the season's over then and then he could be right for next season? Uh, yeah, there, there is. Yeah, there is. There is that argument, particularly if, if you know, that they decide that it is a bit, you know, that it, it isn't getting any better and it's an ongoing issue. Um, because the most important thing is next season, uh, which I've for months now been what can't, you know, sort of, almost can't wait for because I want this one to end. Um, you know, you want Reese James to be 100% for next season. Um, what I would say, here's some more upbeat chat, you know, just in terms of a possible back three. I thought Wes Fafana has is, is come back and, and, and looked pretty good. Okay, you'd hope so for £69.5 million, pounds, but you know, we all know he's, he's had problems with injury. What? <laughs> I I think back to Sunday again when he went down, uh, injured, and just went, oh, no, <laughs> surely not. And and Kula Bally, you know, again, he's had a tough time and I think he's done all right in the last few games. So, you know, fair play to him because he, he knows that he's very much under scrutiny. So if they do switch to a back three, uh, Fafana, Kula Bally, and uh, who am I forgetting? Um, Baddy Shill. Baddy Shill, I think would be or a, a good three. And and yeah, what's what's happened to, to Trev? I mean, it's Kukurea. Let's not forget him. Didn't even make the squad last week. He could play in a back three as well. Yeah, exactly. So so there are there are there are plenty of options. I I personally the four at the back hasn't been working now. For so why not why not go back to go back to type in the sense that at least that's a formation. Um, some of the players that have been around for a few seasons are comfortable with. Um, Simon, yesterday, which was Wednesday for us, every football journalist I follow on Twitter, including you pretty much, yeah. was keen to point out that Raheem Sterling sees his future at Chelsea. I didn't know that there was any talk of that being otherwise. Where did all that come from? <laughs> uh, there, there was a story tweeted out, I, I won't name the journalist, but it was a prominent person um, suggesting that... His future was in doubt, that he wasn't happy at Chelsea, et cetera, et cetera. Admittedly, I haven't read the story. Um, I was actually on the golf course uh, <laughs> and was trying to concentrate on my swing when my phone pinged that uh, Raheem Sterling's people close to him weren't too happy with this story and wanting to get get um, their version of events out there. I must admit, having sort of spoken around Raheem Sterling's camp for not just yesterday, but for a while, I haven't. Obviously, he's not happy. You know, <laughs> be. I was saying to the guys I was playing golf with, it was more. Of, it'd be more of a story if he's going. Yeah, he's delighted. <laughs> he's loving life. I mean, it's it, the season hasn't worked for him out for him on an individual basis, let alone a. T- he's had a, a horrible season in many ways. Injuries, 
his house being burgled whilst he's away at the World Cup. Obviously, his form has been a bit patchy and the team has really underachieved. And meanwhile, he's watching his old mates at Man City competing for, for pretty much every prize as per usual. But he signed a five-year deal. He's not going to give up after one year. That's not the impression I get. And I think there was a link with Arsenal as part of this story. And, of course, Arteta is going to be an admirer of Sterling. They they, they worked together at Man City when Arteta was Pep's assistant. But I don't think Arsenal could afford Sterling even if um, he was available for sale. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? He's 28 and on a massive contract, so it doesn't seem like something that would appeal to Arsenal that much. Um, in terms of Leeds, Jesse, I'm always interested to know people's feelings on a team playing in midweek, playing against a team who didn't. They lost at Fulham in the FA Cup. They made a few changes for that. Surely that works in Chelsea's favour, right? That they've had a, another game to plan, especially with such a, a new manager who doesn't particularly know his squad that well yet. You'd have to think so. Um, but you'd have felt, I think, even over the past couple of weeks when Chelsea haven't had midweek games, that they would be more prepared in terms of setting up against opposition and that doesn't really seem to have been the case um I think it helps that Leeds lost in midweek you know I think you could go the other way that, that a team who has, has a new manager and has been struggling if they were to kind of go and get like a confidence boosting FA Cup win and then go to to Chelsea with with all of the emotion around that game and, and Chelsea in a bad place um but you know equally I feel like Leeds at the moment they're a bit like they go one way, then they go the other way, and everything's kind of like a one nil loss or a one nil win. So, yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, when it comes to Chelsea playing a team of Leeds's quality right now, it shouldn't matter whether Leeds played midweek or not. When if you've had a full week to prepare, and even regardless if you haven't with the squad, like you just should be winning that game. And if that doesn't happen, then you know. I mean, nothing will happen because we've seen that nothing happens, but you're a bit like shrug at this point. Uh, Leeds have won one away league game all season. That was at Anfield in October. They start the weekend a point above the relegation zone. Chelsea have won the last five home meetings against them. Is it going to be six from six, Simon? <laughs> well, I'm not going to be there, so maybe that's that's going to help. Well, the key uh, question is, is Lucy going to be there? No. All right, we're okay, guys. Lucy's not going to be there. <laughs> There's a chance to win. Straight out of Cobham, just deserting the, <laughs> the sinking ship. Um, I, I have to say, I, I am a bit concerned about this game for obvious reasons, but also Leeds aren't getting the results they deserve, I think. Or well, certainly they they create quite a lot of chances, you know, and they just, they just don't take them. They, they, they remind me of Chelsea to a degree, but Chelsea don't create as much as they do. So... And they're they're very pacey, so I I, th I think this will be a tough game. I don't I don't think the um, I actually think Leeds are playing better than Chelsea at the moment, which perhaps isn't saying much. I mean, I, I saw that I, I had the cup game on the other night, and they played really well against Fulham. It, it was just the difference was the finishing. So Chelsea are going to have to be on it, that's for sure. Certainly at the back. Struggling team coming to Stamford Bridge with new manager. Luckily, there's no recent precedent for that going horribly <laughs> wrong. For Chelsea. Okay, well, whatever happens in the game, we will, of course, reflect on it on Monday. <music> 
Would you like to become the headline sponsor of the most authoritative Chelsea podcast on the planet? Would you like to be front and centre on Straight Out of Cobham alongside Liam and Simon and Dom and Sam and Matt? Would you like to reach hundreds of thousands of highly engaged blues fans every month? Well, of course you would. Your brand can advertise with us now. Our skilled and charming commercial team are waiting to hear from you. Contact partnerships at theathletic.com. That's partnerships at theathletic.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Now then, on Wednesday of this week, Chelsea confirmed the creation of a new fan advisory board, which they say will engage in discussion, exchange information and share insights on matters that affect supporters. It will be made up of six supporters, three of these places reserved for supporters advisors to the board. The remaining places determined by an application process, which is open until the 24th of this month. The Chelsea Supporters Trust called it a momentous day, but said there's still a significant amount of work to be done before many of our concerns over the unelected nature of a large percentage of the board are removed. Um, Simon, what more can you tell us about this? Well, I, I, I think it's... Not much, to be honest, but I, I think, I think, they, yeah, same old, same old. Are they just trying to get a bit of a good news story out at a bad news time? Is that, is that why this is coming out now? No, um, I mean, time is everything, but I think this was always the plan anyway. That was something that when they're in the process of the takeover, that fan engagement was a, was a key part of, of this and consortium's ambition. And... You know, they met with fans uh, a year ago when they were talking uh, about taking over Chelsea and they're just fulfilling their commitment for, for this. This, I mean, obviously, they, they've already got uh, Lord Daniel Finkelstein and Barbara Sharon as board members and, and this is just the next next stage. And it's very easy to be cynical about it, but at the same time, at least, at least there's some kind of fan engagement going on. I know there was a some fan forums under the previous regime, but this seems to sort of have a bit more clout to it. Um, one wonders there's going to be some key issues involving fans in the, in the future. I'm sure most of them right now want to talk about the coach, but I don't think they'll get to have a say on that, but Mason Mount uh, and other (laughs) contentious issues, but the stadium is obviously something that is going to be, discussed and an important part of Chelsea's future, you know, rebuilding Stamford Bridge, stand-by stand, where do they move to if they're going to go down that line? Heaven forbid, will they look at other sites, as was sort of muted before, under very, in one of the most disastrous non-PR campaigns ever, ever, (laughs) ever assembled by a football club. Um, That was about 10 years ago now, just over. So, yeah, so I think it's important that, that, that fans are, are consulted on, on important things like this, and, and this is part of it. But again, it's with, with such so few sort of involved, um, it's not as if the whole fan base are going to be consulted. Jesse, I always feel like the, the Chelsea Supporters Trust 
come across as a really well run organization that that you know genuinely are not going to be pushed around by the club or by anybody else and you kind of see that in their response to this which is which is quite measured and it was the same you know talking about moving Stamford Bridge or or sanctions or you know the sale of the club all that kind of stuff that they, they always think about what they say don't they and their response and you, you kind of feel like supporters are in good hands with them representing them to an extent. Yeah, I think they're a really fantastic asset to the club. And I think, you know, it's important to have that kind of, I guess, healthy level of scepticism around lots of these things, because, you know, I think it's it's reasonable to think that ultimately, as much as the ownership will have good intentions about wanting to, to reach out to fans and talk to fans, they're still going to want to run the club that the way they want to run the club and with their view of, of what's the best thing. And I think, you know, it would be naive for anyone to go and go along and think, oh, you know, kind of, what is it, six people sitting on, on a fan board is going to lead to this, you know, great democratic representation of, of Chelsea fans. Um, and I think it's important as well, like when there's been so much change at the club to for for people to kind of stick together as as fans, you know, especially when everything's miserable, uh, to be to be quite frank, to kind of remember what what the point of all of it is in that kind of coming together as a community way. Yeah, we'll put uh, we'll keep our eye on that and let you know any developments. But next today, we're going to look ahead to the Conti Cup final. Chelsea versus Arsenal for the first piece of silverware in the women's game on Sunday then. Uh, the teams meet at Selhurst Park in the Conti Cup final just a week after Chelsea knocked Arsenal out of the FA Cup. Uh, now, Jesse, you're our expert here. I was, I was looking ahead to this game when, when I was prepping for the pod and there's actually quite a lot of selection dilemmas for, for Emma Hayes, right? Not, not least who starts in goal. Yeah, there's a lot of things to think about. I think the front four feel pretty set at this point in time, but I think anything back from there, maybe the midfield too as well, but everything around in defence and goal um, is kind of up for grabs. We saw AKB back in goal for the Arsenal FA Cup game, fresh off, you know, going to Paris as part of the the best awards where where she'd been nominated as one of the three there. She had a great game against Arsenal, I thought. I think she was voted player of the match by by fans, which I thought was a bit enthusiastic, but she made some cracking saves. Um, Emma Hayes had some interesting comments afterwards as well. Hope Powell asked her on the BBC, you know, about who was her first choice goalkeeper and she kind of said something about wanting to give Sachira Musevic game time to for her to develop that the winning mentality she looks for in all her players. Whether that means that that's the end of the development of Musevic's winning mentality, um, don't know. AKB started in the League Cup semi-final as well. The Conti Cup semi-final gets West Ham before the international break. So I, I would suspect we'll see her in goal, I think, on Sunday. And Magda Eriksson and, and Millie Bright back as the centre-half pairing. Is, is that because Kadisha Buchanan's just struggled to, to really have the impact that we assumed that she would have? So the Canadian players, so Jesse Fleming and Kadisha Buchanan, got back a day later than everyone else from internationals having been in the US. Um, so I think we can put their absence on Sunday down to last Sunday, as it were, down to that. Um, I do think it'll be interesting to see if Buchanan comes back into the side just because where Arsenal got their joy was in playing kind of long balls into the space behind Bright and Ericsson and, you know, neither player is the fastest mover. And to be honest, Buchanan isn't significantly speedy, but I do think she's someone who 
potentially defend space a bit better than Magda Eriksson does. You know, we saw Sheena Blackstenius kind of being able to to muscle Eriksson off the ball. Obviously, two players who know each other very well, both being Swedish. Um, there is the possibility that if Buchanan does come back into the team, we will still see Magda Eriksson potentially at left back because the fullback positions are, I think, kind of up for grabs. I think Eve Perisic will keep us space, but Neve Charles has struggled in both games against Arsenal this season, um, especially when she's played up against Caitlin Ford. So either Eriksson potentially playing at fullback or maybe one for Jess Carter, I think. Uh, Simon, of course, what, what Chelsea have got in their favour in games like this is Emma Hayes. I mean, Chelsea unbeaten in the last five against Arsenal. And, and Jonas Ederval, having having won the first meeting of the two at the Emirates at the start of last season, you kind of feel like maybe Emma Hayes has, has worked out how to play against his teams. But regardless of that, just having somebody who knows how to get over the line in these finals, massive, massive bonus, surely. Yeah, and, and also I, I noticed... Um... I think there was sort of like a caption with um, the, the the team all huddled together, and M Hay sort of saying, "This is what this is what it's all about: togetherness, teamwork, etc." And sort of just knowing the difference of a team knowing how to win, etc. And I just felt all that rhetoric. I was going, "I hate to draw it back to the men; it should all be about the women." But I, the, the compare and contrast. I was going, "This is this is I I, I I'm sort of quite jealous that that." I don't get to watch the women play because I'd rather watch them at the moment. Um, they're playing fantastic. They're scoring goals. They've got the character. They've got the Chelsea DNA, you know, and Emma Hayes has got the Chelsea DNA. She's been at the club for a number of years. She's she's a winner. And it just doesn't cease to amaze me how even when they're playing badly, they find a way to win. And, you know, that that is, it's a skill. And I, it, I don't know how, how these great teams I don't know what it is, but she's definitely got it as a manager. And um, yeah, let's hope that they keep carrying the flag high for Chelsea because um, they're they're the team you're proud of at the moment. She's going to be tested in March, right, Jesse? What a horrible month! I looked at the fixtures yesterday; utterly terrifying. You got Brighton, who they always struggle against at home. Man United, who are doing really well. FA Cup quarter final, and then both legs of Leon and Man City. Talk about a, a season-defining. 30 days or whatever it is yeah it, it, it is crazy it's going to be a mad month and I think you know actually that kind of maybe underlines the importance of the the game on Sunday because I feel like it, it's easy to kind of see it as a one-off final or one-off match but I think to win will be a really big start to March especially off the back of if we include the kind of Arsenal FA Cup game as well um, and I think if if Chelsea were to lose you wonder if there would be a bit of kind of uncertainty creeping into the other fixtures. Whereas I think if two wins against Arsenal would really allow them to get rolling. And and realistically, there's no reason why they can't win all of these games. They've they've got the quality, they've got the ability to do it. You know, they've got the men- mentality, as Simon says, you know, that ability to to win when or at least not lose when they're playing badly is is one of the most impressive impressive things I think about this Chelsea side. Um but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fixtures. At least the only good thing is, I guess the only good thing is that the FA Cup quarterfinal draw wasn't as bad as it potentially could have been, you know, with getting Reading away rather than, say, a City or a United or something like that. Although, you know, Reading are also a team Chelsea have lost to kind of recently, um, more recently than they've lost to Arsenal anyway. So maybe we're looking at the wrong fixtures as the difficult ones. <laughs> uh, it's a three o'clock kickoff at Selhurst Park on Sunday. You can watch it live on the FA Player. Uh, elsewhere in Chelsea News, on Monday night, the under-21s took their lead from the women's team. They beat Arsenal at Kings Meadow. Leo Castledine 
got the winner late on. Uh, Simon, you were in attendance for this. Tell us who stood out and, and how many tweets you had afterwards from people saying, when's Lenina going to get in the first team? <laughs> well, first of all, first of all, uh, John Terry uh, stood out for me. Um, I had a very brief exchange with him, as I do uh, occasionally when I bump into him. Uh, I said, oh, <laughs> I'm sure you won't mind me... Uh, repeating this um he said um but I said oh did you watch the Tottenham game and um let's just say he had to go for a walk afterwards <laughs> <laughs> to calm down um but uh but yes I thought I jinxed it when I turned up because people go oh what are you doing here and I said I've come to see some goals you know having been at the Tottenham game I thought right yeah under 21s and it was nil-nil for a very long time. And I just sat there going, I've done it again. I've jinxed it. <laughs> but, yeah, it was it was, a, it was a tight game, but a really sort of really good one in terms of the, the standard. I mean, Smith Rowe was playing for Arsenal, uh, for example. Amari Hutchison, you could tell he wanted to prove a point against his old club. I'm not sure whether he proved it. He, he kind of was trying a bit too hard. But, but, yeah, in terms of the player that stood out, you probably would say... Um, Gaga, as he likes to call himself, uh, Slanina. I thought. I thought. You know, this is. I think his third appearance for the under twenty ones. You wouldn't have known that he's only just arrived and started playing with them. He's very much feels part of the team. And in fact, I'll be writing about him soon. Just, just to give you a little, little teaser. But uh, I was quite impressed that Castledine came off the bench and and made made that impact. Got his first goal for the under twenty ones. In PL two, uh, but a big three points because they 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 do have ambitions. I know it's all about development and the next guy and so on and so forth, but um, they also want to win PL two. And, and Man City have built up a bit of a gap. Now it's down two points, although I think City have a game in hand, so it keeps them in the running. Uh, yes, uh, City are. Uh, you are right. Two points ahead with Chelsea having played. A game more. Uh, Sam, I asked Sam for some analysis as well, so let's see how this compares with yours. He said, good change of shape with about 10 to 15 to go that paid off. If you want some high quality analysis, they went from 4-2-3-1 to a 3-4-2. Essentially had an extra body higher up, went for it, paid off! Exclamation mark. So thanks for that, Sam. <laughs> um, no game for the under-18s this weekend. They've got to wait until next weekend when they host Brighton. Right, we're on the home stretch now. Next, it's quiz time. Okay, fear not. There's nothing about LinkedIn on this one. <laughs> this is not uh, a Or quiz. how many followers I've got. Yeah. <laughs> well, you came out well in that one, didn't you? You're welcome, by the way. Um, <laughs> this is this is a sort of mix of everything. It's loosely Chelsea and Leeds, but there's a couple of curveballs in there. Jesse, you're up first. Who made their first Chelsea start in the reverse fixture against Leeds at Elland Road in August? Hmm... Both players have got their hands on their chins and Burroughs. Burroughs Froud? It's not right, is it? Wesley Fofana? Want to steal it, Simon? Was it Cucurella? It was Connor Gallagher. Oh. No points for anybody there. Bit of a trick question in a way, but not really because it's correct. Uh, Simon? <laughs> that's, that's a good question, like it. 
Oh, thanks, Steve. If you like Even this I got one. it wrong. Flattery will get you nowhere, Simon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll be the judge of that. Can you uh, spell Chelsea? <laughs> <laughs> How many goals, Simon, have the Chelsea men's senior team scored in their 11 games so far in 2023? <laughs> uh, in all comps. All comps, 11 games in the year of our Lord, 2023. Um, See the cogs whirring? I think I'm just, yeah, for time. 11 games, I can tell you it's fewer than 11 goals. Yes. <laughs> that seems a bit low. The numbers come to my head and just go, uh, I'll just say anyway, I think it's a bit low. Four? Four is absolutely correct. And you're right, it is a bit low, but I'm afraid <laughs> it's, it, it's when you go, I think it's four, but then you go, surely it's not four. But yes, it's four. <laughs> uh, Jesse, here's your second question. What was the score at half-time of the 2021 Conti Cup final when Chelsea walloped Bristol City at Vicarage Road? What's the score at half-time? Five nil. Simon, you can pinch it. <sighs> uh, three nil. Oh, it was four nil. Damn it. Close. Jesse, you lost a bit of form of late. I mean, you still got a chance here, but you might be looking at it. <gasps> this is what it making does, me remember a Continental Cup final where we'd scored a million goals, though. <laughs> if you're not feeling bad doors, enough yeah. as it is, Matt I comes was there. in with the... <laughs> you're doing rubbish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God, oh, I hope Cheers. Graham Potter's not doing that to cheer everyone up. Maybe you should try it. Um, Simon, if you get this one, I'll be hugely impressed. Leeds <laughs> defender Luke Ayling is the nephew of which former Chelsea midfielder who played for the Blues between 1975 and 1979 after coming through the youth system? So there you go. I've given you some dates and a position there. Many thanks to the Premier League stat pack for giving me this little gem. Chelsea midfielder 70. Luke Ayling's nephew. I mean, it, this isn't going to be it, but I'm trying to think of... Chelsea midfielders that came through in the mid-70s. Uh, I'm not sure it can't be him, but I'm just going to say Ray, Ray Wilkins. Jesse, chance to get off the board. I mean, if I couldn't remember the first half score <laughs> of the Conti Cup final, I'm not going to get this one, am I? Come I on, know. what's your knowledge of... Donny Ailing. <laughs> Donny. <laughs> Simon, you got the first name right. It's Ray Lewington. Oh, yeah. Half a point. <laughs> no. Good question, that, though, I thought. I got right. Ray. What more do you want? Right, Jesse, here's your tapping, just to get you on the board. Oh, don't and say actually, that. you know what? If you get this right and Simon doesn't get his last one, Lucy ought to stop laughing and start typing out a tiebreak. Uh, here we go, then. Jesse, who lasted 67 minutes of Chelsea's one-all home draw against Leeds in 1994 before being replaced by Nigel Spackman? Darren Barnard. Of course it was Darren Barnard and you're up and running. <laughs> I remember Simon. it well. <laughs> How old were you? Well, well I'm going to say it was before I was born because I was born at the end of 94. So unless it was December the 30th or 31st, 94. Okay, yeah, no, it wasn't. Um, so, Simon, you need this one for the win. Mm. Which Italian scored the penultimate of his six Chelsea career goals in the 2-0 win against Leeds in January 2002? C. 
six. Yeah. Dalabona? Lucy can breathe a sigh of relief. She doesn't need to put the tiebreaker in. It's a win for Johnson. Sam Dalla Bonner. Uh, if I can win the quick, this is it. This is a sign. <laughs> Three points Saturday. They're on the way. I haven't won for months. No, it's a it's a big win. Jesse, will you take a defeat if it means that Chelsea win on Saturday and Sunday? Absolutely. Always. I'd lose every quiz ever for Chelsea <laughs> to win forever. <laughs> Oh, I'm pleased for you, Simon. It gets you back uh, back on the horse and, and, yeah, we can all move forward now. <laughs> it's going to be a good sign for a good weekend to come. Um, you mentioned that piece, Simon, about how Chelsea could benefit from not getting in Europe. I did sort of agree with you, but as somebody who's paid on a game-by-game basis, I also agree. <laughs> hey, hey, well, you know, I want, I want Chelsea in Europe as well, don't forget. You know, it's it's, and I've been joking for, with anyone that, that within sadly within range um that that I want Chelsea in the in the conference league I think it'd be hilarious um and as I sort of say slightly tongue in cheek in the piece Chelsea fans sing we've won it all well is that technically correct anymore and you know it, Europe's great you sort of go off on these trips and and it does it's another competition it gives you a chance to yeah so it's not me sort of you know, looking, I I want Chelsea in Europe as well, but I can understand, and this is what I kind of argue: the it's just been so much, so much turmoil. Could being out of it for a year, given the the sort of intense fixture list that it brings, could it actually be a blessing in disguise? Just like it was, not saying Chelsea will win the league next season, but just like it was in 2016-17 when Antonio Conte did benefit. Uh, massively from having a clear schedule. When you think of Chelsea's injury issues, which have been extraordinary for a few seasons now, and with that help, obviously with the caveat that Chelsea get managed to get rid of quite a few players in the summer because um, obviously being in Europe, if, if they can't get rid of enough, would help sort of rotate the squad, etc. But if the squad comes down to a more manageable level, I think being out of Europe isn't the worst thing, particularly when you think that financially it's not a massive benefit. But, you know, as I'm sure a lot of people commented, um, the chance of Chelsea being in Europe anyway is pretty remote. (laughs) And I said earlier on, the gap's pretty, pretty big um, and it's going to have to need some kind of um, form, sort of rediscovery for them to even have a sniff of seventh spot who would have thought I'd be saying that in March well let's hope it happens because we're all up for a trip to Moldova exactly <laughs> um, I'm sure um, Jesse tell people how they can subscribe to your excellent newsletter on all things women's football yes if you want kind of weekly updates on the WSL and occasionally other stuff depending on what I feel like writing about uh, you can go to flyinggeese.substack.com and become part of my goose pack I don't know what, I should probably know what a big group, well, geese, I guess. Gaggle? Gaggle. Become part of the gaggle. There we go. Is it a gaggle? It is. I don't know, but it sounds good. Gaggle of geese. Yeah, I think it is. It comes up with a pub in Dorchester when I put that into... um... That's where we'll have our meetup. Okay. The Substack meetup. (laughs) <laughs> I'm up for that. I'm up for that. Do go subscribe to it. It's excellent. Uh, also, if you're not currently a subscriber to The Athletic, head to theathletic.com slash Chelsea pod to sign up. You get all the excellent writing from Simon, from Liam and from loads of other good writers too. Uh, that will do us for today, though. We'll be back on Monday when we'll be celebrating a Conti Cup win and three precious points in the Premier League as well. Join us for that if you can. Bye for now.
The Athletic.